Hello, I'm Mike Baselli, your host for this podcast and the global community that has rallied around it. During this episode, I spent time with the visionary leader and serial entrepreneur in the field of women's health. Dr. Jessica Grossman is the CEO of Medicines 360, a nonprofit pharmaceutical organization dedicated to removing cost as a barrier to health by developing and providing affordable women's health products. While together, Jessica shared her journey of becoming an entrepreneur and eventually the CEO for Medicines 360. We also discussed the ups and downs successful entrepreneurs like Jessica experience along the way. After discussing Jessica's journey, she detailed why and how COVID-19 is making it nearly impossible for women to access proper reproductive health and care during the pandemic and how she and Medicines 360 are bravely working to reverse this crisis. I'm incredibly grateful for Jessica's dedication and relentless pursuit to address the gaps women face in accessing the medicines they need. Because of leaders like Jessica, I remain confident we can make positive changes to health and care for all citizens across the nation. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Dr. Grossman, welcome to our podcast and thank you for taking the time to share with our community your inspiring work at Medicines 360. Thanks, Mike. I'm really happy to be here. Well, Jessica, I'm looking forward to learning more about you and your company's mission to remove cost as a barrier to health by developing and providing affordable women's health products, especially during these trying times with the COVID-19 pandemic. But before we dive into your inspiring work and mission, a bit of housekeeping. For our audience, while listening to any of our episodes, please make sure to join our free online community at passionatepioneers.com in order to share feedback and ideas with our guests and to interact with the global community. And lastly, please subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, Jessica, it's almost time to learn more about how Medicines 360 is addressing the gaps women face in accessing the medicines they need. But first, let's take a moment to break the ice a bit so our community can get to know you. I'm going to select a question here. Sure. Oh, one of my favorite topics, Jessica. We're going to talk food. What is your favorite meal and why? Mm. Oh, this is a good one, Mike. Well, I'm going to say what my favorite meal is during this quarantine period during to COVID-19. I live in the Bay Area and we've been locked down for quite a while. But one of the bright spots, I guess, is I've been doing a lot of cooking <laughs> at home. And my favorite thing right now to make is a roast chicken that I make in a big pan. And I also put in the bottom some potatoes, sometimes some Brussels sprouts, so that they kind of get soaked in the chicken drippings as they cook. And then at the end, I make a big salad and I take uh, French bread and I make croutons and I take the croutons and I sort of stir them around in all of the chicken drippings so they get nice and toasty and, and kind of coated with all of that good flavor. 
And then the absolute kicker to this meal is that the next day I can make chicken salad. So it's kind of like a two for one. My COVID-19 secret recipe. You're building a combo pack out of your meal. Exactly. Of course, you know, you got to pair it with a nice Chardonnay. Well, of course. I mean, especially if you're in quarantine, you need to have something to look forward to. So a nice glass of wine as well. Does the rest of the family enjoy the meal? And if so, which one do they like more? Do they like day two or day one? Oh, that's a good question. I think, well, of course, they say that everything I make is perfect because I'm the one doing the cooking during the lockdown. (laughs) So I think they're just trying to keep me going. But I think they like it equally as much. The best part is the croutons. That does sound good. I'd never made croutons. I'm going to have to maybe do a little follow-up and and learn that one. That's a new trick that I could definitely learn. I've never tried that. So, well, Jessica, thank you for sharing that. It does sound wonderful, especially that glass of Chardonnay. So we have a lot to cover today, Jessica. The work happening at Medicines 360, especially right now, now with where we are with this global crisis. It is incredibly important, the mission that all of you are on at Medicines 360. And you guys have been at it for over four years now, but let's go back. Obviously, you didn't just wake up one day and launch Medicines 360. Take us and take our community through how you got to where you are in launching it, being the CEO, and then we'll talk a little bit more of current state of what's happening at the organization. But take us back a bit. Give us a little bit of history lesson. Sure. That sounds great. Well, I am actually, I would say, would truly define myself as an entrepreneur, but I started out my career as a physician. I went to medical school and I was one of these kids who always wanted to be a doctor, knew from an early age, you know, if you would have asked me in fifth grade, what do I want to do when I grow up? And I would have said I wanted to be a doctor. And I loved medical school, but when I got to my residency, I started to feel like maybe there was more out there for me and that I wasn't utilizing all of my skills. I was really drawn to technology and to innovation. And so eventually made my way out to the Silicon Valley area and left my residency in OBGYN and really kind of never looked back and started working in all sorts of startups out here, eventually started my own company, raised venture capital, and just had a, a wonderful experience, although there were tough times too. It's not all a bed of roses. Being a CEO, this is actually the third time I've been a CEO at Medicine 360. I replaced the founding CEO about five years ago. So it's been quite an amazing journey, but I think one of the keys to being a CEO and an entrepreneur is just resilience. And whenever you get knocked down, you just get back up again. I couldn't agree more. And I was going to ask you, Jessica, so you kind of beat me to it. If you had to give a couple pieces of sound advice to your journey as being a CEO and founding companies, obviously resilience is one of them. But I always find when I get to talk to leaders like you, it's amazing how much we learn about ourselves along that journey as well. Would you agree with that? Just seems that the things that we get to learn about our own oneself through these journeys is something that I hear continually. Oh, absolutely. And I think you also learn over time what you're good at and what you're bad at. For instance, I never knew I'm really good at networking. I'm actually good at raising money. I'm good at putting together a pitch. But certainly back in medical school, I didn't know any of those things. So I also really believe in learning by doing. And I think one important piece of advice that I'd give to anyone sort of young in their career, even mid-career, but feel like they're not satisfied and maybe want to switch 
is, you know, take chances. Don't be afraid to roll up your sleeves and do anything. Certainly early on, I did everything that anyone put in front of me. If there was something that needed to get done, I volunteered to do it. And I think that experience is really important. We're going to get to Medicines 360, I promise. But again, I love learning from leaders like you that have been there and done that. If there was one piece of advice to other aspiring entrepreneurs around what would you have done earlier that you learned later, what would that be? Oh, that's a great question. God, I don't know if I have a good answer to that. What would I have done earlier? I guess, you know, maybe take more chances. I think definitely while I was still doing medicine, I just, you know, I was afraid to take risks, but I think risks are what really make you grow. I agree. And also for me, because I love asking that question to other leaders like yourself, because it dawned on me about two years ago, I wish I would have delegated earlier. Oh, that's a really good one. I wish I would have delegated. Right? It's hard. Right. But also, I also think I'm also a hands-on manager, and I also feel connected when I'm involved. And I feel like I'm better when I'm involved and I know what's going on. I have more ideas. So it's also that balance of being connected to the company and to your coworkers versus the delegation. It is very much a fine balance. There's no doubt about it. And I'm always continuing to learn how to ride that to high wire, if you will. So, well, thanks for a little bit of that background and perspective, Jessica. So Medicines 360, it starts coming into focus. You mentioned you came in to replace the founding CEO. Give us how that all came together. Did you know the previous founder? How did you get involved in Medicines 360? And then we're going to do a deep dive on the organization. Yeah, that's a good question. So I was on the board for several years. So I did know the CEO and the, the founding CEO was a really amazing woman. She's a visionary. She's founded a few nonprofit pharmaceutical organizations and really believes in the fact that medicine should not be only for the rich and really has worked to sort of democratize pharmaceuticals. And so I was on the board for several years. But I think as often happens, sometimes when founders are ready to exit and step away, there isn't necessarily a great succession plan. And I was on the board of directors and I had never worked for a nonprofit before. All of my experience had been in the for-profit industry. But at that time, Medicines 360, our first product was just getting FDA approved. I felt like the organization really needed strong leadership and they needed to understand how our product was really going to change the landscape and being on market. And a lot of the commercialization skills that I brought to the table were going to be really important. So I talked to some of the other board members and said, you know, look, I think I could come in and really help the organization at this point get its feet under it as we look to commercialize this first product. And now, lo and behold, that was five years ago. (laughs) That's incredible. So well, let's dive into it. Let's talk about What's going on at Medicines 360, the why? And then, of course, we're going to talk more about what's happening current state with COVID-19 because it's incredible some of the things that you are already seeing as an organization. You know, that's one thing I've been hearing from leaders, again, like you, the exacerbation of problems within our entire ecosystem, our industry. We're seeing some of those problems be even further highlighted because of this pandemic. So we're going to learn a little bit more from you, what you're seeing through the eyes of Medicines 360. But give us that elevator pitch before we dive into that. Share a bit more of what Medicines 360 is and why you are up to what you're doing. 
Sure. So we at Medicine 360 were a global nonprofit pharmaceutical women's health company focused on removing costs as a barrier to women's health. And we were founded 10 years ago. Uh, we were donor funded to really provide equity in contraception. 10 years ago, when we first got started, it was before the Affordable Care Act. And many women could not afford the most effective forms of contraception. So we got started to bring to market a hormonal IUD, which you may know is one of the most effective forms of contraception, but also oftentimes the most costly. And so our sort of pioneering vision was to bring our product to market at a deeply discounted price. And as I said, we got FDA approval in 2015, and we market our product in a unique way. We actually have a two-tiered pricing system, so there's a commercial price, and then there's a discounted price available to public health clinics. We saw that contraception and access to it was really one of the elements that was holding women back. And we really set out and wanted to change that. We wanted to make sure that as many women as possible had the option to afford a hormonal IUD and that this was certainly not the case when we got started. And so as a mission-driven organization that's committed to addressing these gaps in women's health care, we've really seen a tremendous strong uptake in both our product and then recognition of our business model that you can, as a nonprofit, have an affordable product and work with donors and get grants to bring that product to market. I want to ask a question that doesn't necessarily apply just to Medicines 360, but more of an industry question. Why can't more organizations do what you just described or why don't they do it? Oh, well, I can't speak to other organizations, but I do think, and look, I've run for-profit organizations as well and raised venture capital financing. So, you know, I think it comes down to the kind of your mission and how your organization was started. Many for-profit organizations do have shareholders that are interested in maximizing profit. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. But We are a bit different. We prioritize patients over profit, and we want to maximize the mission impact. Now, that being said, you know, we do need money to sustain our operations. So we look at how do we make things affordable and still be sustainable. But we don't have shareholders to answer to, and I think that that's part of it. And also, too, Jessica, because you hit on it brilliantly, we're starting to see over the past couple of years, because, you know, you've raised capital, you've been in that world as of high, we're starting to see this term social impact investing. Are we starting Mm -hmm. to see a shift Mm -hmm. in the marketplace? Are we going to see more of these models that Medicines 360 is leveraging in the marketplace? Are we going to see more of this? You know, I hope so. And I hope that we see more, particularly in women's health, femtech, contraception, et cetera, because I think those are all areas that have traditionally been really underserved because either there's not enough profit in them. So I do hope that there continues to be 
social entrepreneurship and social impact investment money focused on women's health. After all, women make up half the population, but I feel like oftentimes they are ignored or the innovation is not there. So I hope that there continues to be investment dollars coming this way. Well, I certainly hope so as well. And, and thank you for that and that perspective. So let's kind of shift a bit now and start thinking of how to address COVID-19 with your work. And as I was getting ready for this podcast and working with some of your team, I received this message and it was quite profound. And, and it stated nearly half of women face barriers when it comes to getting birth control. And COVID-19 has made it almost impossible for some. Many people are newly unemployed and uninsured and coupled with the shutdown in transportation and childcare services, some women are experiencing access issues for the very first time and may not know where to begin. What does this mean for our, our nation? What does this mean for the work that Medicines 360 is involved with? And then, of course, where does Medicines 360 go from here in this new world post-pandemic? Yeah, so those are all great points and questions, Mike. We did a national survey prior to the pandemic, and we found that almost half of women have access challenges to birth control. And of that half, 33% cited cost as one of the major barriers. Wow. So we are very aware that even with the Affordable Care Act, with all of the changes in healthcare, and this again, this was pre-pandemic, that cost really remains a barrier for many, many women out there. And part of our mission is to provide education for women, to help them find clinics that have an affordable birth control option. There's a clinic locator button on our website where women can put in their zip code and get information on a, on a free or low-cost healthcare clinic near them. But one of the things that has been really important that I've been doing over the last couple of months is really just talking about reproductive health as an essential service during the pandemic. I feel like, you know, it, it might be getting overlooked and people are forgetting that there are women who need to see their OBGYN and that that is an essential part of our healthcare infrastructure and that many women don't have access to birth control. We recently did a fireside chat that was on our website about how to access birth control during the pandemic. There's a lot of online services, but then also just talking to your doctor, a lot of physicians, both family medicine physicians and OBGYNs are providing telemedicine to their patients or are providing opportunities to get both IUDs and other forms of birth control in office if they need to, but are doing all of the sort of pre-patient check-in and consent online. And so we've really been trying to talk about that on our social media platforms and, and get information out there so that women can find uh, new and creative ways to access birth control because we just strongly believe that reproductive health is, is a right and an essential service during this hard time. And so during these times, Jessica, which and, and I know it's changing by the week in regards to where we are with the pandemic and where we're heading as a nation with our health, but at this current time, where is the best place to go for low cost or free birth control if a woman is in need? Well, that's a great question. And there are many, many public health clinics 
One thing that I think kind of the average person may not know about is there are federally qualified health centers, they're called FQHCs, that can offer free care. And you can find out about them at findahealthcenter.hrsa.gov. So that's findahealthcenter.hrsa.gov. Because there are many aspects of free care that are available to women. And we also have some of these resources on our website. The other great resource is a, a website called bedsider.org that has a wonderful article on how to get mail order birth control. And there's many different companies where you can get mail order birth control. And this article on bedsider.org has them all listed. So those are great resources for your listeners. And where are you seeing technology playing? And I know you, you just talked about telehealth. Yes, I get that. But of course, telehealth has been with us for quite some time. Are you seeing any technologies like predictive analytics or artificial intelligence? Are these types of technologies going to be helpful and beneficial for these women and for organizations like a Medicine 360? Do you see that in the horizon or are you even using it now? Well, I think the great thing about telehealth that's been overlooked for so long and that this pandemic is highlighting for us is, you know, as you said, it's not a new technology, but people, frankly, weren't using it before. And so what I think that this has really done is kickstarted both providers and patients to become a lot more comfortable with telehealth and just to use it and really to make it a mainstay of treatment. So I hope that a lot of elements of telehealth are here to stay. And I think that that's really kind of new to many people in many parts of the country. But I also worry a little bit about what about folks in rural communities? What about the uninsured? What about low income who maybe don't have access to a fancy smartphone or a tablet or, you know, who may be illiterate or may be bilingual. You know, I, I wonder, are we also trying to keep those patients in sight? Because frankly, I do worry that those are the underserved that might not be getting any health care in this challenging time. I couldn't agree more. And I've been hearing that. That's been a consistent thread through some of these podcast interviews during the pandemic. I've been hearing that consistently on a number of fronts. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you highlighted and addressed that. So Jessica, also with the pandemic, besides obviously the growing need and access for birth control, have you and the team at Medicines 360 or other of your colleagues in the industry, have you seen other needs uh, arise that maybe you didn't uh, see before the pandemic or have maybe got and further exacerbated because of the pandemic, again, above and beyond birth control? Well, I think there's such a need for healthcare education out there that's unbiased and that is scientifically based. I'm a big believer. I am a physician, so I'm a big believer in evidence-based medicine and evidence-based education for consumers. One of the things that we see over and over again about birth control is that women just aren't aware of how many options they have. For instance, did you know that there are 18 FDA-approved methods of birth control? And we see that many people default to the birth control pill, but there are all sorts of options and newer options that mean that women don't have to take a pill every day. As I'm sure you and your listeners know, when you rely on patients to take a medicine every day and for a birth control pill, you need to take it at the same time every day, there's obviously user error. 
And so some of the longer term methods, the set it and forget it methods can really be better for patients in the long term. But I think that many consumers just don't know what options are out there for them. And so that's another thing that we've been doing a lot of during this pandemic is just just providing basic educational information. I'm doing a webinar uh, next week on what are the 18 methods of birth control, um, which, it, you know, in, in my line of work seems like, you know, second nature. But we found that only, I think, about 18% of women that we surveyed knew about that there were 18 methods. So this is a great opportunity to really take a step back and educate patients. Well, that's great to hear that you're doing that as well. And we'll be listing out some of the contact points for our listening community to find those resources and take part in the wonderful education and content that you are producing at Medicines 360. But before we get there, Jessica, let's look a little bit future state. You know, typically on a you know, pre-pandemic, I'd ask leaders like you, where are we going to be in three to five years with your work and your mission? But again, things moving so fast right now, things are changing so mm-hmm. rapidly for all of us. Where do things lie ahead for us, even in the next six, nine to 12 months? Where do you see things heading for yourself, for your work at Medicines 360 and the needs for our nation? Well, one of the things that we're really looking to do is to continue to partner with others and address some of these barriers to health for women that exist because of the high cost of prescription drugs. As I said at the beginning, we developed a product and got it FDA approved, and now we market it at a low price. And we'd love to do that with other products that women can't afford. And I think that there's a whole host of products out there that are expensive for women but they just don't know who else to turn to. And certainly if a woman is uninsured, there's a whole slew of drugs that are virtually out of their reach. So we'd like to continue to partner with other entities, big and small, other pharma companies, other nonprofits, to make sure that women have access to all of the medicines that she needs. I love it. Thank you for sharing that as well. So where can we find all of this very important work and content, resources, otherwise online? Where can we find you? Where can we find the organization? Well, of course, you can find great information on our website, which is medicines360.org, as we're a nonprofit. So it's medicines360.org. We also do a lot on social media. We're on Instagram. We're on LinkedIn and Twitter. I personally do a lot on LinkedIn, so people can find me on there as well. As I said, I'm always looking to make new connections. We're very interested in working with philanthropists who are interested in tackling this issue of high-priced drugs. We have a track record of FDA approval and really developing products and getting them on market at a low price because, as I said, we don't have shareholders, but it takes visionary philanthropists to help us uh, make our work a reality. And we'll leave all of those contact points over at our free online community at passionatepioneers.com for all of our community to get a hold of you there as well. So we're going to start wrapping it up. Let's flip the script for just a moment, Jessica. What is one problem, need, or question that you currently have that our community can contemplate or help you with? You know, one of the things that I worry about is what is going on in the reproductive health clinics, in the public health clinics with the COVID-19 pandemic? We're hearing mixed reports. Sometimes we're hearing 
that the clinics are continuing to see their patients as needed and certainly prioritizing essential services like contraception. But we're then also hearing some smaller clinics, maybe remote clinics who don't have protocols in place to do telemedicine and telehealth, that they're having to turn women away. And I really worry about where are those women? Where are those gaps? And can we do more research to make sure that we're serving those women? Are there more ways to reach those women out there who maybe don't have access to a free clinic or a low-cost clinic at this point and don't have anywhere to turn for reproductive health? The other thing that I worry about is are women, because they're not able to afford or get their birth control during this pandemic, Are we going to end up with more unintended pregnancies? And what are going to be the long-term economic, emotional, and workforce-related consequences of that? So those are all areas that sort of keep me up at night, and I want to make sure that we at Medicines 360 continue to serve those women and also are really using our network to conduct research to make sure we know what is happening on the ground. Well, we have an amazing audience literally around the world of exceptional leaders and pioneers in their own right. And if you're listening in and and have some ideas uh, through what Jessica just shared on some of their things that are keeping them up at night, both for her personally and for the organization, please head over to our free global online community, passionatepioneers.com. There will be an entire post for Jessica's episode there where you can leave comments, suggestions, links, and resources or otherwise. So Jessica, thank you for sharing that. Great. I can't wait to read them. I know. Trust me, there's some amazing leaders around this podcast that are exceptionally brilliant and have some wonderful ideas for leaders just like yourself. So I'm looking forward to it as well. All right, we're going to take it home. We have a fill in the blank, one of my favorite parts of the podcast. Here it is. I'm a passionate pioneer because? I am a passionate pioneer because I am advocating for women's health and I want to provide equity in contraceptive access for all women. I love it, Jessica. Well, no, here in Denver, Colorado, you certainly have a champion. I'm right there with you. I am all about raising up our female leaders and our women in our communities across the nation. It is important now more than ever. And so, no, you have a champion here and an advocate in Denver. And for now, thank you for joining us today, Jessica. I know how busy you and the team are, but I appreciate you sharing your perspective and your mission and more importantly, your passion to continue to do what you do at Medicines 360. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Mike. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.